Hi, and welcome everyone to the 134th episode of Serum Rocks. Today, me and Marlin Matnes have a lot of guests, actually. So this is a bit of a special episode of 2024 Release Wave 1. So who are we talking with today, Marlin? We are talking with some of the best in the business, aren't we? We yeah. are talking, yeah, we're talking with, we'll start with the, with the ladies first, the, the queen of customer service, the, the knower of everything customer service and omnichannel, Trisha Sinclair. Yeah. Yes, that is awesome. She, we, I mean, we also have the, the king, the former boss of everything field service, Ben Vollmer. And last but not least, we have the super king of ALM, Benedict Bergman. This will be a very exciting episode, so I'm looking forward to it. So uh, where can the listeners find us? Anywhere they uh, have find their podcasts. Spotify, yeah. they can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook. Yeah, so we have two pages. That's Serum Rocks. Oh, three pages, actually. So SerumRocks.com, <laughs> of course, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, and where you subscribe. Yes. So what languages do you talk, Marlin? I... Uh, depends on the day. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my, my native language is Norwegian. Yeah. Uh, I also, well, I kind of speak English. I also speak a bit of Spanish, and I can do the alphabet in sign language. <laughs> Norwegian sign language, or is it that? I think the alphabet is is pretty much the same. What I found, so the the alphabet is the same. It's just the the rest of the talking that is different in the different sign languages. languages. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So. How would you say you are at Nordic then? So Danish, Swedish? Swedish is no problem. Uh, Danish uh, is normally it's quite okay-ish. I have a a cousin who married a Danish person. So I'm used to trying to understand Danish. And uh, talk with Vivian is also Danish. So I understand all of that. And of course, yeah. I'm, I'm named after the prettiest girl on TV in the 80s who was Swedish, Malin på Saltkrokan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yes. And you, Marcus, what kind of languages do you speak? Yeah. We are actually quite alike in that regard. So Swedish, of course, uh, and English. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to learn Spanish. So I do Duolingo yep. each Same. day. Yeah. And I have, let's see, how many days in a row now? I think it's 285 days in a row now. Nice. So I'm not very good, but I'm practicing <laughs> Spanish. And the other, I think I would understand Norwegian okay, Danish also okay. I mean, if they know that I'm Swedish, they kind of speak more (laughs) slowly, (laughs) so uh, then it's easier uh, to understand them. 
yeah as long yeah. as they don't count then, yeah uh... um, my, my partner is scottish and he's trying to learn norwegian so we both do duolingo me in spanish and he, him in norwegian and he says well he can kind of like understand parts because both of us are nearing 500 days on duolingo nice very yeah. nice yes but and he says he can he can kind of under like he can pick up words every here and there except for me he doesn't understand anything i say <laughs> <laughs> i have a dialect and i talk a lot and i talk really fast yeah yeah that's life <laughs> let's have a digest have a say and then we will be back and do our parts later on then yes and Ben, why on earth are you here talking about field service with us today? Well, Ben Balmer is here because Melinda asked me to be here. And uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm here because, I mean, it's a product I'm deeply rooted in. Uh, I was there from the inception of it, and it uh, it, it speaks to me. And uh, when invited to talk about it, it's always fun to talk about talk about your kid, even if you've left home. That's awesome. Because you were at, yeah, like, you were the boss of field service for years. I, you know, basically from the time Microsoft came in to the time it was mainstreamed, it was, it was, it was my baby and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, we built a great team and we had a lot of success doing field service. It was awesome. Yeah, that's good. And now you're kind of back in the community and you're kind of. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I left Microsoft as you're aware, joined a company called IFS, uh, ran product manager there, which was EAM, ERP, FSM. Um, left there in October, and I'm doing some consulting work for um, lots of different companies, Microsoft ISVs, some um, some SIs, just kind of all over the map. But but it gives me a little bit more freedom, and so I'm doing some. I'm hanging out with my, my old friends again and doing some doing some fun stuff. It's kind of like <laughs> returning back to back to seeing family again. Yes, awesome. What have you found that was interesting in 2024 release wave one? I, I, I'm gonna. Veer off the beaten path. So, Marcus, if you, you know how I, I I think about things, I'm going to veer off the beaten path just a little bit here. I actually think there's there's we could talk about AI. And I'm basically just going to talk about AI, but actually, I think that the two that actually interest me and I think are are big things that um, are kind of hidden gems. Um, the, the first one is the ability to think about subcontractors. Subcontractors over ninety percent of service organizations use subcontractors, and so. There's always kind of been a hole in how Microsoft handled subcontractors and how, what they did. It were they vendors? Were they resources? What, how do we do these things? It was kind of it was a lot, a lot of um, you know kind of consultant engineering um, for for doing that. And so I think that that's a huge thing. So Microsoft adding in there the ability to manage vendors and subcontractors is probably one of the biggest changes I've seen them do. Uh, and it's a it's a welcome change. It's really going to help a lot of service organizations be before perform their work much more effectively. Awesome. Nice. So some of that comes in form of, well, we have some ways to find data for them, uh, like the the people that, oh, sorry, the technicians on on field. So is that the co-pilot then, or would you rather talk about something else then? I really don't want to talk about co-pilots. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're here. That's why we wanted you here. <laughs> I, I, yeah, co-pilots are awesome. The the, 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 the the two things really are one is the subcontractors that, that's a huge thing that that's a massive thing that every organization is going to be able to take advantage of. okay like you know if 90 plus percent of your customers are doing it every customer is going to be able to do it so 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 the ability to manage vendors and subcontractors i think that's huge on microsoft's part it's going to be huge to their customers huge to their partners 
the, the second one is actually the integration between between field service and business central. That, that's a very, it's kind of an under the radar change, I think, a little bit there. But having yeah. the ability to do field service um, and integrate that into business central opens up new markets for Microsoft's partners, opens up some new ISV opportunities. Um, that's actually a, a hidden jump. I, I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about some advanced inventory management they wanted to do. And field service didn't do it, but Business Central did. And so with this, they can do some of that, in, you know, serialized inventory, you know, depot swaps, that stuff that BC is built to do, you can now do and integrate it into field service. And so I think from a scenario perspective, that Business Central into field service is a, is a massive new opportunity for Microsoft, their partners, their customers. And it's kind of a hidden gem in the release notes that uh, I think is worth pulling out and looking at. Yeah. So they've had a integration to finance and supply chain for a while. Uh, and this is brand new. And it's going straight to general availability in April. Well, yeah, but I mean, BC... Business Central has had an integration to Dataverse for a long time. And yeah. it's nowhere as, as uh, you know, dual write is a <laughs> unique piece of code. That... <laughs> <laughs> like a true senior. Marlin shivers and like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, make the bad man stop. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, dual rights, its own little beast of a thing. And I, I actually only know of a handful of people actually get dual right to actually work and function properly. And that impacts project operations. That includes, like, to me, dual rights, uh, its own beast. The way Business Central has done it, though, is so smooth and sexy. If you haven't done it yet, Marcus, I mean, I, I, I set up BC and within 10 minutes was writing back contacts and accounts back and forth and orders. And it, it does it all just seamlessly. And so, Going straight to GA there, uh, or RTW, if we used to call it, it doesn't. I think that's actually awesome. That that's a great thing to have happen. Is there something some growth pains there? Yes, but just that ability to have the integration there natively and supported um, is is going to open up some great new markets for customers and partners. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I actually tried to do this in the autumn and tried to look for people or or service uh, solutions to that problem. And there was like, well, it doesn't really exist. And people were hesitant to talk to me about that. You could do it in Power Automate. You could do it with this or that. And I was like, no, I want a product I can buy. I don't want to build it myself. <laughs> yes. And I think... It's only natural. People expect those things to work together. I mean, like, like you know, you, you know, you don't buy a car and think that just because ZF makes the transmission and you know that, that you've got to reprogram the transmission to work with the engine you bought from them. And so, yeah. I think customers expect it. But you know, when I was at Microsoft, we had you know basically below seventy five technicians was a place I told our partners and our customers and our and our and our employees not to focus on. Because that, that was hard to service because they had the expectations that you couldn't meet because we couldn't do a lot of the stuff, the financial side of things that, that these smaller companies yeah. want to do. So I think this is actually going to open up that below 75 tech range to our customers and our partners in ways that you couldn't do it before because you're not, you're not going to go out and buy another product now. You can just turn it on, function, and, and bam, you're off and running. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because if you have BC and the service part in BC is not really good, then yeah, well, field service does service really good. <laughs> well, I mean, you think about it, I mean, you know, all the Dynamics products, ERP products, have service management in them. And yeah. they're all, you know, I learned Dynamics SL's service management product 25 years ago. I learned GP's field service management product 20 plus years ago. I mean, they're, they're all pretty much, I mean, they're all, they're all different, but they're all the same. I and mean, they haven't been touched in 25 years. Yeah. Um, and so it's a good way of helping customers who want to modernize their service, service, service operations, but they're, but they're using VC to be able to do that without having to make them, you know, go out of the ecosystem. I think it's great. Uh, in Norway, we're, we're not the biggest, we're not the biggest country and certainly not the biggest companies either. So a mid-sized big company in Norway would be a U.S. small con- company. Uh, so for us, BC should probably be the most sold ERP system, at least for Microsoft. So for, well, I, I thought Denmark was the, the, the queen of that. Oh, yeah. yeah because it comes from, yeah. Yeah, every every ERP system comes from Denmark, so we're they're they're weird. So we're gonna let them have that. <laughs> there are two in dynamics, and both of them originate from Denmark. Yeah. Both finance and supply chain, and yeah, um, business. Yeah. But what is you speak of you know kind of another little feature they snuck in there was the ability now to do postal codes globally because again, Swedish, Finnish, Danish. Postal codes, US, British postal codes are all different from the U.S. postal codes. And because of that reliance in the postal codes and the territories, it became very hard to manage those things sometimes. So I will say that one of the things that the feature they stuck in there was the ability to help manage territories better, which I think will help all the customers in, in folks like Norway um, or any place outside the U.S. Awesome. So it's a, it's a good release. Maybe the best release for countries outside of the U.S.? Hey, look, it, it's the best release I've seen in 2024 so far. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they've done a good job since you left. I, yeah, I mean, I think I think for a while the the, the focus was on um, AI. AI was AI. So so I think the, the the ability to add some new features. I think they're still playing catch up in some areas. There's still some things that they're trying to say. Hey, we deprecated some features. We need to bring that up. But I think. For, for the whole, this this release has a lot of really good functionality. It's going to make customers very happy. And then those those two big areas around con, subcontractor management and around the ability to connect to BC will help the customer base dramatically. Awesome. Yeah. So what would you say are still missing there then? I think the mobile client still has a long way to go. I think the mobile client still has, the, 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 the UI of it has been refreshed and, and redone. The, the offline sync still isn't quite what, what you'd expect the way the work processes offline. I think the, 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 the mobile client to me has some, has some, some, some growth pains to go through. And I think resource side optimization, the, the routing engine is, I, I feel very much like that's kind of a starved asset, Marcus, at Microsoft. I mean, it, it, it's complicated. It's gnarly. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a huge math problem. The traveling salesperson thing is something you got to work hard to overcome, but they haven't invested in that at all, and so for for me the the next piece of this is really will you know will they average be you know will Microsoft ever kind of double down and actually go help with a, you know make schedule optimization real, or is it always going to be kind of this little footnote? We fixed a bunch of bugs in it. Thank you. Yeah, as, as part of the release. Yeah. So co-pilot okay. resource optimization would be good. 
Well, I mean, well, the problem really is, is that Copilot. So if you look at the, the, the overall challenge here is that is that what you have with RSO and it's like products. So Microsoft's RSO from Microsoft, you've got, you know, the set optimizer, the former click product from Salesforce, you've got IFS PSO, all those products are, they're actually just long math problems. And, and so it's not actually even a, an AI product. It's, it's a long math problem which you could say is AI or ML, but, but it's really just a long, it's a, it's a long math problem. Those problems have not been, I mean, other people have invested time and money in solving those problems. It, it doesn't produce a whole lot of revenue for Microsoft because the customers they're selling to aren't necessarily doing just optimization. But the, the AI element of it, where should my technicians be and how should they get there? That's the layer on top of that long math problem. There's, there's still work to be done there, I think, to make that reality. But that's a, I think that's a, if Microsoft decides to get serious, that's a short-term thing they could do. But it's got to it's got to be driven by their customers. All right, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. And um, good to have you back. Yeah. Good to be again. Yeah. Welcome, Trisha Sinclair. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. <laughs> nice to have. If we look at the uh, 2024 release wave one for customer service, what do you think are the most interesting? There's interesting and there's important. <laughs> Which one do you want to go with first? I think I prefer interesting first. Okay. So interesting to me, there's... <laughs> People are going to hate me saying this, but there's this new feature coming out for Copilot in-service which is the uh, contextual, I don't know what it's called. Hold on. Give me one second. I'll see if I can find it. It's a contextual, yeah, get automatic prompts from Copilot. And the reason that's interesting is because the history behind this, if you're using the feature, if you're using the preview right now and you're using automated suggested response, you'll notice that's still not GA. And it seems what this is, it's kind of a mixture of ask a question moving closer to that suggested that that automated suggestion response so if you ask a question right now to in copilot it doesn't actually understand the context of the conversation so you really have to explain quite a lot which of course from an agent perspective takes time and the whole point of copilot is to not take up a lot of time yeah so <laughs> this this basically is moving closer towards the whole agent efficiency and moving closer towards the existing preview feature of automated suggested response. But I'm not saying that they're going to replace automated suggested response. I have no, but I can I can see that. Yeah. So that's that's definitely something I'm like keeping an eye on. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Some of the items here have a general availability that listed to be announced, but most of them other application when they don't have a general availability, it just marks as a dash, but here it's to be announced. What's the difference? So general availability, if it's announced, it's it's concrete, right? To be announced, you might see the release planner and in the release notes, it basically says most updated information in the release planner. And that's actually because sometimes things will fall off. Sometimes things will be pushed back and they're not going to announce it until they're good and ready. So it's the idea is to keep an eye on the release planner. The release waves right now for me doesn't actually mean a lot. It just, it, these are just things that they might have committed to. So it will come eventually. 
But when we have to keep an update on the release plan, it's not great, but it's just where we are. I think everybody's like running and I feel like the, the folks from Microsoft are running to catch up with their own success, especially with Copilot. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's probably the same if the general availability just have a dash or it has to be announced. It's basically the same thing then. It's the same, like it's the same thing, but also if it's not there, then sometimes it just ma- magically appears in April. Cause like we're, cause they're aiming towards April. Aim is April. It's just sometimes yeah. things happen and they miss it, you know, but it might show up in April. That's not yeah, what we want right. to hear. I know, but <laughs> I'm just being real. Which is good. And you've worked with customer service for quite some time now. Have you not? <laughs> For quite some time. So I've worked with customer service, like the actual customer service product since oh, <laughs> since CRM4. I don't even know when that was. I always say years, but like I've literally, even when it was the whole thing, I'd be one of those like having to get rid of sales, marketing, blah, blah, blah from that because that's not what we wanted to do. And I've been involved in contact centers since like unified service desk was around when we didn't have a voice channel and we had to bring in like other voice channels and like, you know, use other, I'm not going to say other CCAS names and dirty my mouth right now, (laughs) but we had to integrate with other CCAS systems. Um, But yeah, I've been, I've been involved in customer service, contact center, to be honest, even field service for some time before it was actual field service. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So now we started with the one that was the interesting one. Mm-hmm. Now, mm. the one that's important, the one that's important is actually within unified routing, right? Yeah. Actually, there are two that's actually important. The one that's in unified routing, which is the, um, actually, no, there's three. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> you know, when you're, okay, so let me explain. So you have um, the first one is if you're in a queue, and a customer is calling the queue and they'll wait and wait and wait. Sometimes you really want to direct them to another queue, right? So that they, they get seen to earlier. Right now we have the scheduled callback, which is after a certain amount of time, you can basically say, okay, let's schedule you a callback, which is great. But you do, sometimes you actually have people to help you help, but they just might be somewhere else and they're not, they're not getting those calls. So we have that upcoming, which is something that I know a lot of customers have asked for. So that for me is very important, very great. Another thing is I've had, I had a customer who in order to deal with their queues, they would manually have to move agents to and from, and then log in, log out in order for it to be seen. And also it does take some time for the, the, the queue members to be refreshed, right? So that's now being resolved where you can now real time do uh, move agents to and from queues in real time, which will help that process a lot better, which to be honest, is actually going, if for those in the know, you kind of see this going towards a workforce management angle, aka to me, it reads that Microsoft might be going into the into the workforce management game, which to be honest is needed from a CCAS perspective. Like the other thing, the other reason why I think that is because you'll notice in the previous release, they introduced the forecasting 
and they're adding even more forecasting um, functionality in, which is like, oh, after 10 to 15 minutes, like intervals, you actually get like an update on the report. Now, these things are important to actually do proper workforce management. Unfortunately, we don't have the full suite yet, but I can see you can see them dropping different features in. And hopefully one day it will be a nice big package that we can say, here is the WF story for, for Microsoft, you know, that's what I'm hoping, but that's, I'm, that's what I'm seeing. And that's why I'm thinking that's important because we have to keep an eye on it. And these two with the queues, these are actually scheduled for general availability in April. So they're coming soon. Coming soon to a yeah. contact center near you. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. It's oh. nice to ha- actually talk about things that has a general availability date and not just, uh, I mean, and yeah, it could be either. good once it comes further down the line. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes bear in mind, it might be flagged for general availability in April and it might not make it to general availability yeah it's a plan important yeah it's a plan not a promise it's important to keep an update to view on the release planner yes to keep yourself aligned with microsoft's plans Mm. nice so what are you missing from this plan (sighs) what am i missing i don't think i can say what i'm missing from this plan This is the list that long. It's just the list I can't say. But okay. what I can what I can say, what I wish on the plan. Of course, WFM. I wish WFM was on the plan. I wish outbound dialing capabilities like predictive dialing was on the plan. I wish and trust me, anyone listening from Microsoft will be like, oh God, there she goes again. But these are things I wish. I wish that they had moved automated suggested copilot actually to GA because like a lot of customers do need that. I wish that they had done the, you know, in a co-pilot you have, it works with chat where you can actually do suggested response, but it doesn't actually work with voice. So if you're on a voice call, you can't do the, you can't do the automated suggested response. And I'm like, no, that should be there (laughs) along with the fact that that's now GA. Yeah, I wish the fact that I want I want you be, to be able to transfer voice calls to different tenants. I want to be like there is a list. There's actually <laughs> I actually do have a list <laughs> that I check each time and All I right. ask each week. So yeah, you <laughs> ask you each week. <laughs> Yes, these are things I want. Yeah, all right. They're important. So, so just oh. acronym police then. So WFM, that's workforce management. That's workforce management. So think yeah. about you're an agent. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, when you're when you're an agent, you need to know what you're doing on the on, on that particular day. You need to know when you're working. So you have your different shifts. You know that you're gonna be taking care of, for example, like say if you have a white label contact center in insurance. And you're white labeled for one insurance company and another insurance company also is under that same umbrella. You might then be working for one insurance company for the for the voice channel for two days, but for the chat channel in the afternoon of another time. So you need to know all of that. So you're logging in. And then you also need a system that's going to see, okay, are you actually sticking to what we've pl- we've planned for you? Yeah. Right. So you have to then look at what's what what was planned. But what was 
actually happen. You also need a system that's going to, how'd you say, allow, you kind of like field service where you can actually do the time off. I'm not going to be here, shift swaps, all of, you still need that for contact center. You need us, so that's pretty much WFM. Yeah. And then you also have the quality management, which they have a little bit of, but not fully. So if we look at customer voice, customer voice is nice, but there is no customer voice on this. And there's a lot of opportunity for customer voice. If we look at like other solutions, which are doing automated surveys, I listen to the voice call and it's pre-populated with what was discussed in the voice call so that, you know, the supervisor doesn't have to sit down and rewrite everything. And it can actually pre-score using AI because we love AI so much. Why don't we <laughs> use a little bit of it, right? <laughs> So yes. this gives me the sort of on sales they have this conversation intelligence where the, the they they can listen to the um, to the, the talk and sort of get sentiment over time get things you you say mm-hmm. can is, is that part of the customer service or this omnichannel as well it is already part of omnichannel so okay. we have it it's a little bit more extended in omnichannel it is actually on real time, so you have real time sentiment analysis, real time translation, and then you have the historical one as well. The interesting thing though is with omnichannel or with sales rather, it's a little bit more extended because with sales you can add different keywords that you want to listen out for. Yeah. You can't do that in omnichannel calling because it's conversation intelligence and there's call intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> I know, why not? So with conversational intelligence and sales, you can do that. With yeah. call intelligence and omnichannel, you can't, right? And ours, to be honest, yours works. So not say yours, but the sales, sale, B365 sales uses the team's dialer. That's actually another thing that I wish was announced. I wish that they chose to go. ACS is great, but we have so many customers using teams. That's a missed opportunity, a massive opportunity to say you can use Teams Enterprise Voice as your contact center number. And not only that, you it's the same. It's a very similar setup to sales. So it streamlines the architecture. That would be great. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's weird how, like, you would believe that the two teams are talking together, like sales and customer service. It would be good to say, hey, we have this. This is a done product. Can we just put that in here? It's, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. It would be so good. Imagine. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. <laughs> so if anyone out there is wondering if anyone is keeping an eye on customer service and pestering Microsoft about things that aren't working in customer service. Trish is your girl for that. (laughs) (laughs) No, they they do. They do really like feedback to be honest. And they, they want to make a really good product. So they are amenable to feedback. I, I do kid, but about them, you know, saying, oh, please go away. But they've never said that yet, thank gosh. Um, they've always been like, okay, what do you think? This is a good idea. And they do like to listen to feedback, not necessarily just from me, but if you have feedback, absolutely share it. They'll listen. Awesome. And with that, I think we can say thank you very much for the speed podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Release wave one. <laughs>
Thank you. And I know I was much quicker than Ben, so. <laughs> oh man, awesome. we get we will get so beaten up by all of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for your participation, Trisha Sinclair. No thank you so much for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Hello, Benedict, and welcome to this special edition of Serum Rocks. Hello, thank you for having me. So what on earth are you going to tell us about Wave 1 today? Yeah, so I will talk about uh, mainly ALM, or two parts that are, or two items that are related to ALM and uh, to make that better. Awesome, because you're like the, the king of ALM in the community now. That's a huge word. I don't know. But uh, yeah, ALM and that kind of stuff is one of my, uh, yeah, my, my focus areas, I would say. Yes. Awesome. I mean, if anyone has ever seen Benedict and Thomas Hunser together, they would say that the biggest difference between the two is managed solutions. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Is that a managed versus unmanaged? Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the the first item um, I have is uh, a, a res item which is called maintain security roles priv privileges for better ALM solution import. And I mean, why? I had to choose that because that was the only one that had ALM in it, uh, more or less. No, but um, but I had the problem several times that um, you, you create one security role uh, in one environment, deploy it to the next environment, and someone makes some changes there, like if you have different dev environments. Uh, and then if you deploy it the next time, it will get overwritten. So until now, the best practice was create don't that's always best practice don't use the uh, security role from microsoft to create your own but if you create your own you only do that in one environment you have to manage that in one environment if you need to cha make changes in a different environment it should be a different security role because otherwise you will overwrite your changes so if you add a new uh, table for example in a second dev environment and you need to give give permissions for that it should be in a se second uh, security role now there's this feature, um, which is uh, already in public preview, as they state in the release uh, notes, and will be GA in April, uh, which is uh, they will not overwrite all changes. So there will be some unmanaged layer on top of security roads from now on, so that you can do your changes in a second dev environment and have the same security role in different solutions and then move that to to test and production and still your changes will persist, uh, which is quite nice and makes life a bit easier if you have different devs and so on. Awesome. And it won't make the system more cluttered? I think it would, it would even, uh, it will even make it less that because now uh, you will create a new security role just to add new privileges, even if it's the same group of people. And then you can use the same security role. So in test and production, you will end up with less security roles, which have still the correct security uh, permissions on it. So it yeah. should get less cluttered, uh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, if you do it right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Before, it was like just one big component. It was either there or not, and you moved it or not. Yeah. So it was kind of like 
before we had solution. It was you move this table or you don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And that, I, I mean, I have had that several times in the discussion in the community. Several times that someone asked, "Now I have the security role, and all the time we deploy, it will my changes get overwritten, and I have to redo the same stuff all the time, and I have to remember it. Otherwise, it will not uh, move on to yeah. to test and so on." Um, so this will be will be fixed now, uh, which is pretty nice, I think, and really Im improves ALM in those scenarios. Yeah, I've done previously that this sort of security role. If you have the scenario that you have like multiple dev environments, you have like the last dev environments owns the security roles. Yeah. So there you kind of have all of the things that you want to manage with the security role. And there and only there you can actually do something. So that's nice that we don't have to do this clunky yeah. workaround anymore. And I, I mean, the scenario you described, that's um, possible if everyone or all the developers have access to all the dev environments. Yeah. But in some cases, you have different teams and they should not have access to the dev from the other team. And then they don't the, like the, yeah. the team of the last dev don't know what they should add or I mean then it yeah, just yeah, gets yeah. huge uh, additional management to to get that right uh, but yes that's one one thing to or one uh, workaround yeah. there is today yeah 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 it was a workaround so this is a lot better so yeah. would you characterize this as interesting or um, a good thing um I think it should have been there all the time yeah uh, so it's good that they do it now. Uh, a bit late, but uh, better late than never. So, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, nice. There are other items on this release notes where I think uh, that's a bit weird, but uh, yeah. Don't we all? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> were they thinking? Yeah, same thing twice, for example. But yes. Um... Copilot? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> The bad word. You said the bad word. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Sorry. He only took a couple of minutes in this session until we yeah. came yeah. to Copilot. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Benedict, so, do you have I, a second for us? Yes, I have a second one. And that's called Save Canvas Applications as Human Readable YAML Files. Uh, it's uh, early access in February. So, not there yet, but hopefully soon. And the main thing is, they, if you if you have a Canvas app in your solution and you export the solution in your pipeline, for example, and store it in your source control, as we all should do, yeah. um, then you will get MS app, so that MS app files uh, for every Canvas app, which is basically just a zip file with a different ending. So you could change the ending to zip and unpack it. Would work. Um, Maybe not to pack again, but but no matter, uh, it will be like these MSF files, uh, which are like binary, so you you can't really see in them what is what has happened, what was changed, and so on. And this will now save those extracted Canvas apps as YAML files, which is <laughs> pretty nice because then it's uh, as they mentioned human readable, and we ha can have stored in our repository as YAML files, and we can take a look. Okay, what what has changed? from our last export to, to this export, uh, what was added, what was changed and so on. And since those are YAML files, they should also not have the usual, um, what we call noisy diffs, yeah. where stuff is just 
moving around, uh, which we have like in, for example, the customization XML, because the order in the XML is not defined. So sometimes they just like say, okay, for translations or so, uh, something changed in the order. Even so, it's the exact same translation, but it, just because it changes order, we, our repository or Git will say it's a change. And then yeah. you have like a change of 400 lines, even so there isn't any change. Uh, and then it's like your history gets very cluttered, uh, which we don't want to have. So it's nice that they have uh, this as, as YAML. It should not happen yeah. as far as I know. And But they don't describe how this will. I mean, they don't describe how we can use that. That's a bit weird. So they just say, we can do that, but we don't know whether that's like uh, an extra um, script we will get or whether that will be part of the pack, uh, so the, the, the Power Platform CLI unpack uh, step or, yeah, we, we don't know. So I hope it's part of the, uh, of the pack unpack uh, command so that it also will be part of the, um, Power Platform build tools within Azure DevOps unpack yeah. uh, directly, hopefully. Um, but as mentioned, they don't they don't describe it. Uh, but I think that's a good good uh, thing for for LML as well because it will uh, improve what we can get out of uh, healthy LM because we then know, as mentioned, what has changed within our canvas app or not not only within the rest of the of the solution. Yeah, yeah. sounds awesome. <laughs> but why why yaml yeah do you like I, yaml benedict no, i wouldn't say that no uh, you wouldn't I, I say mean, that I, no. I had to learn yaml for the pipeline yaml files yeah but it's like more a love hate relation relationship i mean it's yeah. it's nice that we can describe stuff like the pipelines in a consistent way and we can reuse it so for example at cmk where i work we have like a template project which we reuse for for new customers, and in that we have also our pipelines as YAML. So we can just like copy them to a repository from a customer, and then we have a pipeline within a few minutes if it's a standard uh, project. Yeah, that's nice because if when we had like only the pipelines, the the UI pipelines, we had to click stuff, and we had to click it every time. So that's nice. And then you forget stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah. But still, YAML for like you doing that in YAML, um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. For not those the who don't part. know, it's like the indentation of the rows define where it's supposed to be. Yes. So there's no beginning and end statement on things. So if you miss an indentation, it's sort of in the wrong place, and you get an error further down because now it doesn't know what it's supposed to do because it interpret that as a new yeah. thing but that doesn't exist so it's like yeah yeah and then also like the name per se i mean it's it's yaml which means yet another markup language yeah which, which is so <laughs> weird <laughs> yeah yeah the acronym doesn't help no That's the best freaking name ever though <laughs> it's yeah. actually called this yeah uh, yet another one yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yet, yeah yet but it, another it's one. used it's yeah. used more and more. Like they use it now here, we have it in the pipelines and um, yeah. so I think we have to get used to it. Yeah. I was like hoping for JSON perhaps. Mm, yeah. Which we also but, have in the uh, like in the platform. 
Yes, we do. I mean, flows get, and we get the flow JSON, for example. So now they have XML for uh, solution configuration and so on. Yeah. And then we have YAML for the Canvas apps and JSON for flow. So we have all of them. Yeah, I, I always thought that those XML were more for historical reasons that they started off as XML because they were so. developed during that time. So I was like, yeah, we will just have to live with that. But now they're developing new stuff. I was like, oh, come on. But yeah, I am grateful that it's not a blob. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a binary having, having yeah. YAML uh, compared to .ms app, MS app yeah. files, it's a huge improvement. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah, but they could be better than things than YAML. Yeah. But I will take that. <laughs> That's okay for me. Yeah. yeah. It, it's one step in the right direction. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. And then, then also, I mean, until now, uh, we have this step to unpack MS app files already, but it never went GA. Uh, and there's the recommendation to not to not use it because if you if you do that in your repository and then you try to repack your solution, it could just fail or it will fail most yeah. of the time. Uh, because it's yeah, it, it's just in a beta version. So this one is much better because it, it will go GA hopefully, and then we have something over nothing. So that's nice. Yeah, I've and, used yeah. it to version control things because you, even though it was quite noisy, you could actually see some changes. Yeah. So. I didn't use it to reverse stuff, but more, okay, we have a log, someone wrote, this was the change. And then you could figure out what the change was. Yeah. And then <laughs> manually undo it in the canvas app. Yes, exactly. And then my, my uh, hopes are that if we have like uh, YAML files that we can repack to, to a solution as well, that we could maybe change stuff in the YAML file and not in the canvas app builder in the future <laughs> and redeploy that to, to another environment to, to make changes. <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so, so what, so those were the two things you're, you're liking. So what are you most disappointed about? Didn't come. What are you missing the most? Missing the most. That's a good question. I mean, I would, um, they have, for example, when, if we stay in the ALM part, then they have improved the import with certain configurations a lot. Uh, so I could, for example, at one customer, we had import time of like 70, 80 minutes per, for our solution. And I could bring it down to four and a half, five minutes. Um, but that is just a, like a specific configuration uh, and it will, will not clean up stuff. It's, uh, it's an update, not an upgrade. Uh, so I would, would love them to to do that for all the imports like improve the backend in a way that all our imports are as fast as this one or i do understand that they might not be as fast as this one because um they need to do more stuff uh but faster than they have to that would have been nice and no they are working on it so no. <laughs> may yeah. i add to that that if you deploy during business hours the effect for the end users would be lower. That would be would be your 
Yeah, that would be my wish for wish, sometimes yeah. when you um, import solutions, that's okay. Something is so roll back a bit. Something is broken in production. You have to fix it as soon as possible. So it's not really an option to wait like six hours until the office is closed because then the problem would escalate that and data might be wrong. So you have to deploy a solution. Okay, yeah. consider that. And then you have a solution that you want to import in production, but it kind of, well, if you're nice, you could say that, well, the users will notice because once during like the publish and the import, the performance will be degraded at least. Sometimes yeah. it's inaccessible. Yeah, and for, for the mentioned customer, uh, I mean, we also had deployments always at like 5 p.m. or after. Uh, obviously, yeah. uh, but now we can do that in, in the lunch break because the actual import of the solution only takes five minutes. So all the after work that we might have, we can handle that within an hour. But if yeah. the import takes 80 minutes, we can't. <laughs> so, yeah. so that, I mean, that saves, saves the customer money because we as consultants, we cost more if it's like after hours, uh, obviously. And also they can then like do their normal tests after deployment on the same day in the afternoon rather than like during the night or uh, on the weekend, for example. So um, that would be nice to, to have. And then also there's there's other stuff like, um, for example, SLAs you usually don't have in your solution because they get inactivated with every deployment. And if your deployment yeah. takes 80 minutes, they are inactivated for 80 minutes. And if it takes just five, they are only inactivated for five minutes. So that could impact stuff if someone is doing something during this time. So yeah yeah agreed awesome thank you very much i know that i mean all of development and everything alm it's it's a big topic uh it's a lot it to is. cover and just say that what are your two things is almost impossible <laughs> it was I, hard it was hard i can imagine i mean even even in customer inside journeys there is mention of alm and developer portal so there, it's everywhere and it's super important and everyone should run and, and read Benedict's blog. It's where I always point to all my customers who are wondering about things and where I go when I have no idea. <laughs> so it's a good good place to be. So thank I mean, you. And I, I'm, I'm glad that it now, like in the last two or one or two years, it has just grown a lot. And I mean, we need that for all the governance and so on. Uh, and it's good that everyone or... Um, most of the people are aware of it now and that Microsoft invests a lot of uh, money to it to improve it. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for joining us in this short-ish <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that was my fault. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks more. for having me. Yeah. Joining. <laughs> and now we're back. Yay. How awesome was that? Yeah. So those three were really good. Yes. And I, I think you've had Benedict on before, but I think we need to, to invite uh, both uh, Trish and Ben back because they yeah. have more to say. <laughs> I don't think I've had Trish on. Ben was on a long time ago speaking about field service. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, definitely it's always interesting to kind of, follow up what has happened since yeah but you've also been on i remember not that long ago on yeah. customer insights or 
Yes. Or whatever the name is. (laughs) Whatever the name is nowadays. So what's your interest in 2024 Release Web 1 from a customer insights point of view? So there were so many good things that I've been waiting for for customer insight. But if I'm if I'm gonna follow the other three and pick two, there are two that hasn't come. They they don't have a general availability day yet, but they are so important that I'm just gonna do them anyways. And one is uh, will boost customer confidence with branded links for email and content. So creating vanity links, which is huge because now when you automatically generate URLs in customer inside journeys, they have like the public URL.dynamics that they're like a mile long. And I know a lot of customers like mouse hover and we're training them pretty well now to see, oh, this is a shady URL. I'm not going to click that. That is not the correct one. So now being able, well, it's in public preview from April to be able to create the vanity domains and have links that look good. Oh, that's going to be a big difference for people or customers. So if I'm a big corporation, I can have my domain URL in there and not like some dynamic system. Yeah. Yeah, you can have the crmrocks.com as a URL. Yeah, that is a big brand. Yeah, it is. That's a a very good one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's just gonna make everything look more professional and better. So... Public preview in April. I do really hope they come out with a general availability date yet soon, but um, we'll see. Things change all the time. Yeah. So that's customer insights journey. data. Journey. Journey. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Mar- mar- formerly known as marketing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's that's a big one for for marketing, for sending out emails. And the other one I picked is one that is both for data and for journeys. And that is uh, get faster insights at scale with auto management of segments and measures. So that is a lot. That was short and easy. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad it's not with the name included as well. Um, But that is nobody likes to clean up. Nobody cleans up their data. Nobody removes segments or remove measures from, from customer insights data. They just stay there. And then you complain that everything is slow. And yeah. the more segments you have, the slower the system will be. And nobody deletes them because yeah. that takes time. With this, this is customer insight will intelligently deactivate, de-able, or pause segments based on if they're used or not. <laughs> so that will make your your environment a lot cleaner and make sure that only the segments that you actually use are active. So that if you've created, like I have customers who create segment for one time and that's it. And then they have 500 segments active and running. That was my customer today. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody deletes anything. So, yay, now this will clean up your mess. 
I just wish you could have that in Dataverse as well. Could you imagine? Yeah, marketing lists, the dynamic marketing lists. Mm, yeah. yeah. But just on customers as well, like contacts. Your your contact has been deactivated for 10 years. Let's delete it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that supposed to be help with the bulk data deletion uh, thingy that no one ever uses? Yeah. Yeah. Good thought. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I, I think this is this is also going to be a huge help. But that comes in public preview in June. Yeah, public preview. So yeah. So we're we're still waiting on everything to to get the GA date. But um, mm, yeah. But, and there there's so many things. I mean, we even in customer insights journeys have ALM mentioned. So Benedict would be happy. I mean, yeah, yeah, build and test journeys before deploying to production, which is now part of the the ALM framework, which is awesome. That's nice. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot. I could I could talk probably a full episode on journey alone. <laughs> yeah. But so that was a two and a sneaky half. <laughs> So what are you still missing then from customer insights? Analytics. Yeah. You see, that's that's what everyone is missing from from journeys. They all customers want more analytics, want more access to the analytics and easier to get all the analytics. So that is still missing. Hmm. Someday. <laughs> What KPI would you say are the most asked for that they can't get with this analytics then? Or well, I I have a, a customer who has create. They have taken out an Excel spreadsheet with the name of all the emails that has been sent, and then with the the all the like statistics of opening rate, clicked on rate. Uh, unsubscribe rate and all of those just in a simple view and i mean that that shouldn't be so hard but because that interaction data isn't stored in dataverse but in the magical azure cloud on the outside then you can't create your views with those Mm. statistics so we're we're not asking for much we're asking (laughs) could we please just Give get me, the raw data, please. I mean, virtual tables. Yeah. Give it. Give give me the statistics and give me the data, and then I can do the rest. I can build my dashboard. Yeah. I can do everything. Yeah. yeah. And I just want the virtual tables we read. I don't want to update it. I don't want to delete anything. I just want. I don't want to read it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> yeah. Good one, good one. Uh, So we actually didn't have a guest for sales. No. Do you have something that you want to look up at in sales then? Yeah, I mean, sales is is probably what most customers have, but least people talk about or least people blog about. So, but there's still a lot. Like, I'm I'm not even going to mention the C word. (laughs) <laughs> yeah stay away from <laughs> from that mm, but sequence i love sequences yeah. i absolutely think they're 
awesome and should be used more by customers. And in this release wave, they have three different uh, features for sequence alone and all going into general availability in April. So that's soon. That's very soon. Yeah. So I, was, I was quite surprised, but it's guiding your your salespeople to do the right thing and perform the right tasks. And now you can use multiple sequences at the same time for <laughs> one account or one opportunity. So you can you can do more, have the salespeople do more. Yeah. And just yeah. Try to improve the, the the flow of it all. And if you didn't know, the sequence builder is the same as the customer journey builder in customer insights journeys. So they hmm. look the same. So if you know one of them, you will understand the other. So it's an easy step. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And it's a good thing that that tends to be that the development teams sort of talk to each other and collaborate so they don't build like separate things and that Mm -hmm. means that we get features faster and i'm all about that oh yeah and i have to commend the 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 ci team and the sales team because it's evident that they have been working closer together the past well, six, maybe eight and nine months, there has been a lot of work in trying to unify sales and marketing just by creating opportunity or leads from a customer journey in a CI journey yeah. and just trying to... And CI is customer insights. Yes, yes, yes. sorry, that's too long. Yeah, yeah. 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 I should say marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just so you mention what it means first, and then we can use the acronym. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, but it's um, I really think that that it's uh, it's good, and I hope more will come out of it. And as as I said, the the sequence is is the same engine behind as it is in uh, in real time marketing and customer set journeys. So that's yeah, nice. that's a good thing. Yeah, it's yeah. But okay. we also, yeah we also have another one because I'm I, I I love analytics. It's I haven't I I don't work with Power BI because I would drown. I would be completely obsessed. Not that I'm not with <laughs> even more obsessed. I easily obsess. Yeah, <laughs> one might say. But you also have analyze opportunities better by grouping them and aggregating their values. Huh. Which is more for the salespeople to be able to to manage their uh, opportunity pipeline better. Yeah, so it's kind of like, okay, you have different business areas. Perhaps you want to group the pipe based on that or something else. Yeah. So the the account name, if you have, let's say you work with a big worldwide company and you want to know what kind of opportunities you have in pipe now worldwide and you can um, group them by the account name for example or who am i gonna uh, close in may and then you can have the aggregated values from that grouping so i look really forward to seeing how it's gonna look because Mm -hmm. it just it 
looks like it's going to be pretty smooth and effortlessly assess the total estimated revenue within your pipeline or within specified group segments. So, I mean, kind of, it sounds like maybe they're they're going to reuse the segment builder for customer insights journeys, or I don't know, that would be good. Again, something yeah. to reuse. But Because they are saying you can group them by any other relevant field. So that's yeah. a pretty much... Yeah, and yeah. other uh, and aggregate numbers will be such as estimated values or actual revenue in an editable grid. That's nice. Yes, very. So nice. it's not just a Power BI report that you can't do things with. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's editable. Talk. So that's that's really nice. You can work with it. Yeah, <laughs> and and the craziest thing is. That comes directly to general availability in April. Yeah. Which is soon. I mean... It is soon. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to to that one as well. There's, I mean, of course, there's a ton of things that are coming that we haven't mentioned. And we haven't mentioned much about Copilot. No. Because Copilot. <laughs> but some... Okay, let's mention just one, though, that has general availability in this release wave. Um, What did I May say? May I pick that one, then? Yes. Summarized length emails. Yes. So if the thread is long and you're not sure what's happening in April you will actually be able to summarize that one. If I can just pick one thing, it would be that one. Yeah, that that's such a good one. It's so concrete and it's like, okay, have you ever heard the TLDR? Oh, yes. Too long, didn't read. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's me and my blog posts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you send the lengthy email and you get that back, it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's great, and and I and I found that all of these like summarizing co-pilots, I love them. I it's yeah. in emails or in in segments in in CIJ or like anywhere the summarizing co-pilots they work very well. So I'm hoping uh, I I didn't read that in this one that the. Um, it will be on timelines soon. Yeah. So if you are on an account, let's say, and you have a lot of emails happening the last three months, mm-hmm. okay, what's what's the key points here then? Yes. So it's multiple activity types, multiple emails regarding something different, but then aggregated to the account. Yeah, that would be a good one. Yes, it would mm. indeed. Yeah, no, it's a there's a lot of things, and I, and I do think there are good things in in Copilot as well. I I think they could be better. A lot of them, and they're coming out at such a speed that you can't keep up, and everything keeps changing names. Like you have sales with Copilot inside of it, and then you have Microsoft Sales Copilot, and then you have Microsoft Copilot for sales, and you can't keep up, and it's different things, but it's almost the same, and it's it's too confusing. Yeah, hopefully they will 
aggregate some of those soon so it becomes one thing at least for sales copilot so we don't have three of those yeah I mean, you could you could have a, a co-pilot summarizing the different co-pilots and what they do. <laughs> and, but, I, I was and, waiting for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the one co-pilot absolutely everyone wants, it's the licensing co-pilot. Ooh. Uh-huh. That wouldn't be too difficult, right? <laughs> adding the PDF to the copilot and then asking it okay. Yeah, and, and oh, yeah. how hard can it be? How I've hard? never heard a customer say that, right? Hey, no. I mean, maybe we need to have uh, Yuka on the call. Uh, yeah. he's uh, he's the he's the king of licensing and everything complicated with licensing question. That's yeah. Yeah. I've had him on a lot of times, but it's been a long time since he was on last time. Yeah. But just going back to the release wave, there's a lot of things in here that we didn't even cover. So there's a whole segment about industry cloud. We didn't go into that one. No. And there are multiple Dynamics products that we didn't go into. Yes. Everything ERP we've shown away from. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we're focusing on CRM on the CRM Rocks podcast. Yep. So that right. means sales, customer service, field service, formerly known as marketing. <laughs> <laughs> the product formerly known as marketing. Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm going to stick with that one. Yes. Thank you, Prince, for that. <laughs> and then some power platform stuff, thanks to him. Uh, Benedict. Yeah, but I mean, he's yeah. he's like, how do you do all of it the right way? So, yeah, yeah, it's good. So I mean, we haven't even touched anything for Power Platform as per se. So it's like, but I mean, it's it, it, there's there's an there's another month next month and and the month after that and and then the other yeah uh, yeah it's all in the release notes yeah as well. And uh, if we did cover them, this uh, podcast would be three hours long, I think. <laughs> yeah. I Now that you mention it, I would like to pick one thing then from Dataverse. Go ahead, since it's, it's your podcast. <laughs> Associate activities with multiple related records. Oh, holy sh... Woo! That's huge. So it's not the regarding field that could be related to multiple records. It's the activity party. Ah, Okay. That could be an account or a contact. So it's not perhaps that great, but I didn't consider this before. Perhaps we could have done this before and I just didn't realize. Uh, So you can now relate it to... Uh, cases, opportunities, and stuff like that on huh. the activity party side. Yeah, I mean it's better than what it has been. I was, I, I was so happy. I thought it was the related. <laughs> it's <laughs> not the related re- column. Oh well, that would have been too that, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would have been. We waited for that for ten years. <laughs> yeah, but still, still. It's progress. Yeah. 
It is indeed. So that's what I have. Now I think we have to end this because it's <laughs> way our time. Uh, so if we have a timing police like uh, the Boost podcast, yeah. then they will say, yeah, we're grossly over time. Yeah. But it's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. So, so subscribe. See us on LinkedIn, Facebook, on CMRocks.com. See you next time on CMRocks.